You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I am thrilled to have you here. Let's hop right in. Now, I know you've been enjoying the last handful of episodes. I've been getting a ton of feedback on the socials, been getting some great feedback from the tribe. So I'm really happy that it's resonating. I'm seeing an uptick in the numbers, which tends to actually worry me. In a perfect world, no one would listen to the show because there would be no addiction. But <laughs> I guess then there would just be tens of thousands of people in addiction recovery looking to up-level their lives. So take that back. Take that back. Let's increase those numbers. Let's increase those numbers. If you have, would love to support the growth of this show, tell people about it. Go on to iTunes and give me some stars and rate and review it. This isn't this is not for my ego. I don't know if I've got all that many. I don't go back and check it, but like once a year. Don't really care about any of that jazz. But I do know that the algorithm cares. And if the algorithm cares, that means I should probably care a little bit more than I do because I want people to be able to find this content and allow it to help them in the way that it's uh, helping you. So whether you're sharing it on your socials or just going and rating and reviewing it, please follow and do what it is as you love because this stuff matters to me. You matter to me. All of this, all the way up lifestyle that I'm seeking for us all, this matters to me. And I think this is a really great segue into exactly what this episode is going to be about today. Um, in a conversation, let me spit those words out again twice. I'm in a conversation with one of my clients the other day, and we start talking about having this older version of ourselves inside of us that's no longer serving us. And she even says that you know, she's like, that's the old version of me. You don't live here anymore. You know, can I just throw her out of my life? And we've talked about this. Right, that we don't get to throw out our the old version of us. This is a soup metaphor. We've added in a bunch of ingredients. We don't get to take ingredients out. You don't just get to like reach your hand inside of the 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 big pot of stew and start yanking things out. You can't just take the salt out. I mean, I suppose you could take a big hunk of meat out, but the flavor's in there. Let's, let's not let's not dive too deep into the metaphor. It might start to unravel. What's important is that we realize that who we used to be provided us with our needs being met. And once we realized that those needs were no longer being met the way that we would prefer, we chose sobriety and we moved into that. Now, sobriety is just not using. It's addiction recovery that we're really seeking to figure out how to heal the traumas and the sufferings and to really balance our life out, to start to create a life that we no longer want to escape from. We don't want to escape from who we used to be. We okay. Let me let me let me make sure I'm saying this right. We want to escape from who we used to be, in as much as we don't want to be that person anymore. We are not seeking to escape from them in, in in order to achieve that, to destroy them, to throw them off the bus, to completely eliminate any memory of that person. Because there's a lot of attributes to who we used to be when we were in active addiction that we can actually utilize now. 
the discipline, the tenacity, the flexibility, right? I mean, think about it. We were tenacious about finding our drugs. We were disciplined enough to have money to get drugs. We were flexible in who we were going to buy drugs from. I mean, I get we were using it all for those manner, and we don't want to be doing that anymore. But now we've learned amazing amounts of discipline and tenacity and flexibility. And these are seven of my key power principles that I believe will help you excel in life and in all ways, in all manners. So when we're having these conversations about throwing this version out of our li- this version of ourselves from the past out of our lives, that's not achievable. We can move them all the way to the back of my metaphorical bus. Right? We're up here. We got the sobriety and recovery versions of ourselves driving the bus. We can put addiction version of Jesse all the way in the back row. And there's so many rows that he can sit there and heckle me all he wants from the back row. I ain't hearing none of that shit. Right, I got my own thing going on. I'm looking out the windshield. I'm not looking in the rearview mirror. Throw spitballs at me. Make a bunch of hoopla mess back there. It don't matter. I ain't going back there. That's your world. Enjoy it. We, this idea that we could just like open up the back of the bus at an emergency exit and just boot them out the highway, that's not realistic. Yes, it would be awesome to take a sharp curve and have them roll all out. And this is literally some of the words that my client used. And I laughed, right? But I was like, no, she she gets to stay. Right? There's lessons to be learned. I mean, I would love, 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 love to go back and change some of the behaviors, some of the things I did in my 20s and 30s. But I don't get to kick my old Jesse. Drunk Jesse doesn't get to get kicked out of the bus. He's part of me. I didn't choose to laugh at the dumb shit that he used to do. I did some pretty hilarious stuff in my using days. I can certainly laugh at the dumb nonsense he's yelling from the back of the bus now, right? But that's just my ego. He is, to me, a version of my ego. He doesn't, my ego doesn't want me to get hurt. doesn't want me to feel rejection. It knows that back then I was able to push those emotions of rejection and hurt down. So it's like, hey, why don't we go back to drinking? Because at least back then we knew how to manage our emotions. I am definitely still learning how to manage my emotions. I feel emotion so deeply now. Why do I have to have feelings? Why can't I just be a robot? I am robot. I am C-3PO. I feel nothing. Although C-3PO did often complain about the way that he was treated. So I guess even that didn't work out. (laughs) So you can tell yourself that you're not worthy of something. We don't want to put ourselves out there. We don't want to try anything that, that makes us feel uncomfortable. Because the ego wants us to feel good. So you can say you don't want those things. I don't want to do anything that makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want anything that's going to push me out of my comfort zone. I can't, I can't, I won't, I won't. And now that's great. You can keep fighting for the life that you currently have, right? You've already told me you're sick and tired of it, but keep throwing out I won'ts, I can'ts, and I don't want us. That's awesome. Fight for the life you're already sick and freaking tired of. That's good. Just know that it's your ego doing that, that it's your ego that's feeding that. I don't want to just sit around and allow my life to happen to me. I want to be the controller of my life. It's all about the ego that we are monitoring to determine, is this actually a good decision or not? Is this ego doing this to fulfill me? And why is the ego wanting to fulfill me? What is going to happen when this is fulfilled? So we're going to throw out a problem statement right now before we get any deeper into the show. And I want you to be able to answer this. And I use this problem statement question in all my coaching sessions, right? Because it's extremely important to get you to actually have specificity in why you're not achieving things. Because it wouldn't be a problem if you were doing it. It's, things that you can do aren't problems. 
they might create some problems, but that's just because things that you're good at will create things that you're not so good at, and then you have to achieve through those things. So I want you to answer this question. I want blank, but I can't because blank. I want to be sober, but I can't because I live in a brewery. I want to uh, feel love, but I can't because I don't know how to show love. I want money, but I can't because, uh, I don't know, um, I am my feet are stuck in concrete. Um, I want to fly, but I can't because I'm a, not a bird. All right, we, I want to shoot a podcast, but I can't because all my podcasting equipment's at home. We can work with the specificity. I want to shoot a podcast, but I can't because my podcasting equipment's at home. I've heard many people who do podcasting do them with earbuds, just speak them directly into their phones, or next time I will travel with my podcasting equipment. I want money, but I can't because my feet are stuck in concrete. Great, let's get your feet out of concrete. I want love, but I can't because I don't know how to show love. Great, we can work on different ways to show love. I want to uh, talk with my kids and have them look up from their phones, but I can't because my kids are never around and they never look up from their phones. Well, great. We can figure out how to get your kids more often around, and we can certainly figure out a way to get them to look up from their phones. But you need to have specificity. This is why this problem statement works so well, because most people cannot honestly answer this question. I want blank, but I can't because blank. Now, Once we have the answer, then we get to start to figure out what has been holding us back. And oftentimes it can be the ego doing that. The ego has been forming since infancy. It is the basis of our self-image and of our personality. This ego is the voice of our subconscious mind and its primary job is to keep us safe. So when you want something and you can't have it because of blank, that's an effect. I'm in effect. I want quiet, but I can't because my roommates blaring their stereo. That's that effect. Well, how else could you get quiet? Yeah, you could go in there and launch their stereo out of the window. That's not going to do good for as far as making sure that friendship is in a healthy place, but you could go somewhere else. You could go to a library. You could go sit outside. Like There are ways to achieve things if you believe that you are at cause for your situation instead of at effect of your situation. That's extremely important to realize. Personal responsibility dictates that you do not blame, complain, or make excuses for what's going on in your life. Now, the roommate's making a ton of noise. Your kids are yelling and screaming. Sure, that is happening. You could leave the situation. Perhaps not the best idea to leave your kids unattended in a house where they could, I don't know, start a fire, turn on the oven, play with knives. Or you could figure out a way to better discipline the children. But to sit here and say, well, I can't because of this person, is now you're not taking on personal responsibility. It's not what has happened up to this point, it's, about, it's what are you going to do from this point moving forward. So if you want quiet, but you can't because there's noise around you, can you quiet the noise? No. Can you move yourself? No. Can you put on some earbuds? No. Can you daydream or stick your fingers in your ears? Like, Is there a way in some manner or another to begin to solve this problem for yourself? Because it is up to you to make the changes you want in your life be more in control. If you can begin to influence somebody to help you achieve that, great. But it's not always going to be met with reciprocation. People are not always going to want to be on board with what it is you want to do. You're going to come out of rehab. You're going to go home. And people are still going to want to drink. They're still going to want to make noise. They're still going to want to all meet at the bar, make new friends, or figure out a way to be in those situations. And now this is going to feed this conversation directly over into this idea of the unconscious mind and the ego. 
Because we have this unconscious mind making decisions for us all the time. We have been making meanings our entire life without even realizing it out of everything that's happening around us because it's happening at the unconscious level. And this begins to form as we're children. And it forms as children, right, in order to keep us safe. We start watching what the parents are doing, watching what people around us are doing. We don't, the unconscious mind wants to keep us alive. The ego wants to keep us alive. They work in unison and they they work in tandem. And here's the thing is the unconscious mind has a voracious appetite. It does never stops being hungry. It's an unconscious pit. It's always hungry for more. And the ego is like its head chef. It's its sous chef. It's responsible for preparing and serving up the mental meals, the life meals that the unconscious mind is, is craving and it wants. Think of the unconscious mind, ravenous beast, right? It's in this cage. I've been watching The Mandalorian recently, and the Boba Fett guy has this like voracious, mean-looking animal with like multiple arms and this just sharp teeth. And it, tears up the city in order to help defend them, right? So you've got this unconscious mind, like this ravenous Boba Fett creature prowling around in the dark corners of your psyche. It's always on the lookout for something tasty. It's always looking for something to seek its teeth into. It is a never-ending bottomless pit. It's a, it's a reciprocal? Recip- oh my goodness. I had it earlier. It was in my head. I, um, it is, um, it's in my notes somewhere. I don't remember where I put it. Um, but it was very interesting, whatever it was. And now do I have to pause the recording in order to find it? I do. Give me a sec. Repository. Thank you very much, repository. And this is what Freud viewed the unconscious mind as, as a repository for our socially uh, unacceptable ideas, right? Things that we should not be doing. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So you, you've got this unconscious mind. And it is this repository for your entire life, everything that's ever happened to you. It's constantly looking for more. And it, and it can handle so much. It's a never-ending, bottomless pit. It, 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 is a ter- it is the computer that never fills up. It is a hard drive that has no end in sight. And the ego is its cook. It's bringing things to it. And when you start to wonder how these plagues are playing in unison, and especially when we go back earlier, right? You were who you were back then. Your unconscious mind was seeking to fulfill your six human needs, certainty, variety, connection, significance, growth, and contribution. It was looking to fulfill these. It eventually figured out a way of fulfilling them that slowly but surely pushed you further and further outside of the societal bounds until you started meeting people who agreed with what you were doing. This is why addicts tend to hang out with addicts because now you're within societal bounds. So now the ego and the unconscious mind aren't in conflict with what's occurring externally. It just managed to find the exact situation that would work best to benefit the life you decided you wanted to lead. And make no mistake, you decided you wanted to lead that life. So is this unconscious mind, ravenous beast, always hungry, no matter how much you feed it, it's got to... This is where the ego comes in. It's the master chef. It's whipping up all these delicious dishes, seeking to satisfy the insatiable hunger of the unconscious mind. And the ego has to be creative. It has to be resourceful, quick on its feet, always coming up with new and exciting recipes to keep the unconscious mind happy. This is why you may have started off having a cigarette and finished on meth. This is why I started, you know, on marijuana and finished, you know, snorting, you know, ketamine and cocaine mixed together. This is just, the, it's, it just needed more. But here's the thing. The ego can't just cook up anything at once. It has to work within the, the constraints and the limitations that are around it. 
right? Did you have enough money? Did you have enough time? Did you have the resources? Did you have the connections? It could not just snap its fingers and make anything happen. Now, this is where I'm not surprised that some, you know, multimillionaire musicians and stuff find themselves in a very bad place when it comes to alcohol and drugs because they actually don't have the same constraints and limitations that we do. Imagine if you had millions and millions of dollars in a yacht and you could be in the Mediterranean Sea. You could act the fool. Somebody else could drive your boat. Somebody else could bring you food and you could just have a steady stream of carnal knowledge all around you. But most of us live in a world where there's constraints and limitations, just like a normal chef in a restaurant would have. They don't have every ingredient. So the ego has to balance the demands of the unconscious mind with the realities of the external world, your actual circumstances. Making sure that it also is preparing these mental meals that it serves up that it will be satisfying and appropriate to the unconscious mind's desires. What it desires. And we can consciously say, I don't want to drink today. I don't want to do drugs anymore. I don't want to hurt this person. I don't want to be this version of myself anymore. But the unconscious mind's already got the habits built up. It's already figured it out. And when the unconscious mind and the ego work as this dynamic duo in the kitchen, in this metaphor, which amazingly is still holding together, um, they're working together to create this culinary masterpiece, at least in their model of the world, from their point of view, from the unconscious mind and the ego's, the ego, from their point of view, they're making a culinary masterpiece. Your life might be a shit show. (laughs) Your family might hate you. You get fired from every job. You're walking everywhere because you've got seven DUIs, right? Whatever. Their goal is to keep you safe. And in this world that we used to live in, safe was high. Safe was intoxicated. Safe was being around the people who could bring those instruments of use into your life. And with the unconscious mind being the hungry beast, always on the prowl, always looking for something, and you've got this skilled chef that figures out an amazing way of creating these masterpieces that, that feed the unconscious mind's insatiable appetite, the, you notice how this tandem when working together had put you in that situation. So when you want this happy and healthy mind and life, right, finding that right balance between the unconscious mind's voracious appetite and the ego's culinary skills can be difficult. When you have had so many years of ingraining these habits into your life of lacking self-worth, of not being worthy of love, of not being able to accomplish things. I'm a piece of shit. Nobody loves me. Why do I even live? When you have been repeating these statements, they become attached to your identity. It becomes very, very difficult to just yank these anchors out. There are no weak people. There are only strong, strong, strong anchors. You are not a weak person. You have anchored yourself into a belief structure that is rooted in, you know, 4,000 miles of concrete. It's like your belief structure around being a less than person is as strong as the Hoover Dam. You don't just hit it once with a hammer and have the entire dam fall down and your normal awesome self be able to come rushing forward. It's not going to work that way. I suppose if somebody only beat themselves up and used for a week and then decided they weren't going to do it anymore, then they'd be fine and they wouldn't have this Hoover Dam. But then those people wouldn't be in addiction recovery. Nobody drank for a week and was like, I got to check into rehab. First seven days, we're overboard. I got to just stop right here. No, they would just go stop. And then one day may or may not ever pick it up again or may just become normie, you know, pick it, take it or leave it drinkers. For the rest of us, we built the Hoover Dam. And the unconscious mind and the ego were the ones laying the concrete. They were the ones feeding the workers to make sure that we could continue building this dam. 
So this next time that you're feeling a little bit peckish, that, you're, that your unconscious mind and your ego are trying to work against you, just remember the ego is always going to be there, ready to whip you up something tasty and satisfying for your unconscious mind to enjoy. Now, if you're not happy with the meals that the ego has been feeding you any longer, that you have honestly decided that this is BS and we're done with this, that's when sobriety and addiction recovery fully get implanted into your life. Like that sobriety phase, you're still sort of fishing the whole thing out. Is this really the meal I want to be eating? Once we start moving deeper and deeper and deeper into addiction recovery and actually start healing ourselves, actually start working on ourselves, we're doing the journaling, we're doing the reading, we're actually taking action, looking at the results, experiencing the results. We're then evaluating those results and saying, is this is this where I wanted it to be? If not, great. Let's go back and do it again better, even better the next time. Not so much. Okay, great. Let's go back and let's tinker with it a little bit more and let's come up with a new recipe and let's see what this one tastes like. Because addiction recovery literally is a culinary adventure. You've got that unconscious mind. It's that ravenous beast. We've talked about that. It's mm, hungry, 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 hungry. I am Hulk. Me need food. Then you've got the ego. Master chef. Dirty birdie. Put the birdie in the party. Right? You've, so you've got, you've got the chef from the Muppets trying to feed Incredible Hulk. This is happening, people. Pay attention. And so you've got this ego. Right? Dirty birdie. Eat the birdie in the body. And you've got the, I'm oh, hungry. Feed me now. And all this is happening. And, it's, and even in sobriety and recovery, this is happening. They might use different voices, but it's still happening. But the ego is responsible for creating and serving up you these amazing meals. It could be mental meals, emotional meals, psychological, right? We got that. We got physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and the ego is feeding you these meals. So the unconscious mind can feel, again, satiated, which it really can't because it's a, it's a never ending repository of everything. So here's the thing. When you're in addiction recovery, and this unconscious mind is now, have, it, it becomes a picky eater because what it used to devour, it no longer can because it knows like, whoa, 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 we have become a different person. Like, I get it. I get it. Back in the back of the bus is still that version of me that's yelling and screaming, I need booze. I need booze. Where's the Coke? Where's the ecstasy? Where's the LSD? It's there, right? Me, Hulk, me want to hallucinate. It's not like you can just put a muzzle on him. But if you push him further and further and further in the back of the bus, what is he eating? There's no food left anymore, right? There's no food. It's like every row gets to have their chance to eat. By the time it gets back there, it's like, there's nothing left for the angry drunk Jesse to eat. I guess I should just be quieter. Maybe something will make its way back here. No, you get no satisfaction anymore. So we're using this the, to, in order to get the fix back in the day. It was drugs and alcohol. And it, and it really became hard to even fathom, even fathom that there could be another way out. That's that pre-contemplation. Fuck you. I don't, this, my life is good. Contemplation and planning is finally where we're like, uh, this is going off the rails, right? This is like, what in the hell did the ego create today? Like, seriously, it is, it is nothing but, you know, uh, tack bread and some really shitty watered-down gravy. Oh, wait, I'm in jail. This sucks. Raise your hand if you ever found yourself in jail eating some shitty ass, you know, uh, ham sandwich uh, between slapped between two pieces of bread, that crappy ass milk, and maybe there was a cookie. Most of the time, it was an orange or an apple, which I at least liked the idea that there were some sort of dietary guidelines in the drunk tank. So you got this. Now you got to be a picky eater, right? You used to get your fix from drugs and alcohol, and it was hard to convince yourself to try something new. This is where the ego is going to come in now. 
right? The ego is going to start to now put your sense of safety, your sense of comfort, your sense of well-being around this idea of sobriety and recovery. It's going to shift. And it's going to take a little bit of time to shift, but it's coming, right? You cannot just quit. You see the top of the mountain. And it might be so far away, there might be clouds. Another good visualization of this is a meme you've probably seen on Instagram. Where there's two guys using a pickaxe to get to the diamond. One stops right before he's ready to break through the dirt to get to the diamond. The other one's still going at it. The diamond is there. You don't know where the diamond is. You don't know how high the peak is. And even when you get to that diamond or that peak, there's just an infinite more amount of peaks. But the more peaks that you go up and down, the better you're going to be at shifting your unconscious mind's desires to have your needs met through using and through the abuse and the suffering and the trauma, you're going to be able to shift it to now where it wants things that are actually creating a life you no longer need to escape from. And your ego will absolutely get on board. It's a culinary genius. It can whip up any delicious meal, any delicious meal. And it can do so without alcohol and drugs. In fact, had a bit of a coughing fit there and had to pause it. So what I was saying was, if not more satisfying than drugs or alcohol, like absolutely, like I literally am telling you the best day of my life is every single day because I'm not waking up hungover. One of my friends woke up hungover today and they're like, ah, pounding up the head. This is miserable. I'm like, yeah, I bet. And for me, I'd have kept drinking. Uh, Life is infinitely better once I settled into sobriety and recovery and really started to do things with my life that fueled me. The ego now is making meals for my unconscious mind that feed this desire for me to have my certainty, my variety, my connection, my contribution, my growth, and my significance are all being met by the podcast or the speeches or being present in my girlfriend's life or being present in my friend's lives and being present in my own life and going to the gym and eating healthy or enjoying delicious cake. All of these needs now are different. They're different than they would have been back in the day. I may have still had relationships. I may have still gone to the gym. I may have still done some of this stuff, but it all would have been under the umbrella of all of addiction. It would all have been at, a, at, at the buffet of addiction. Let's stick with the kitchen metaphor as much as I can here. I, I, w- I was eating from the buffet of addiction. Everything was starting to get bland and shitty. Now I'm over here. It's like uh, all of a sudden, what's, what's the one with all the fountains in Vegas? Um, the Bellagio, it's got all the fountains, right? They have the best buffet. It's like 50 or 60 bucks, but there's like crab legs and like prime rib on it. It is amazing. That's the buffet I'm eating from now. Before I was eating at the one at Circus Circus. Not even sure. I stay away from anything that might need to have milk in it because that's probably spoiled, right? It's like, do you want to be eating at the Circus Circus buffet or do you want to be eating at the Bellagio buffet? No offense, Circus Circus, but seriously, you need to do a remodel. The place smells like shit, right? You've had cigarettes have been smoked in there since like 1957. It's not a clean place. Bellagio, super dope. Of course, you want to stay at the Bellagio. It's super fancy. That's sobriety and recovery, right? Maybe even the old Fremont Street. That's addiction. So the key to addiction recovery is finding this right balance between the unconscious mind's cravings and the ego's culinary skills. The ego will serve you up meals that will become delicious and tasty the more you eat them. I know there's going to be that little voice in the back of the bus trying to yell and heckle and bully you to going back to the way you used to be. They no longer serve you. That is the worst waiter. Do not let that person back in your kitchen. 
You've got to be creative, resourceful, quick on your feet, always coming up with new and exciting ways to satisfy that ravenous beast. And here is the fucking kicker of all of this. You were so creative, so resourceful, so quick on your feet, always coming up with new and exciting ways to get wasted, to make a fool of yourself, to humiliate yourself in front of people that you cared about or perfect strangers. It blows my mind. Well, people are like, well, I just don't know if I have the time to like get a hobby and to do all this stuff you're talking about, Jesse. It's uh, there's just so much of life to lead. I'm like, you had plenty of time to spend a majority of your life blacked out, wasted, laying on the floor, freaking hugging the porcelain god. You had plenty of time to drink, 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 snort, 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 smoke, smoke, smoke. Now that's gone. So the time exists. The prioritization isn't there. But the, the time exists. If you immediately allowed all of that time that used to be spent using to go back to a job that's no longer fulfilling you, that you're starting to feel less than at, that where you don't feel like you can actually grow with it, then it's time to switch a job. I get it. It could be difficult. You've got a mortgage and bills to pay, or you're way over your eyeballs in debt, or you've got court fees that are coming out your ass. Whatever your financial situation is, I'm not telling you to quit your job today. I'm telling you to start thinking about your future. Even I am getting ready to start getting my master's in, I think it's a licensed professional counselor. I don't think it's like a master's in psychology, but it is, it, is a, it is a graduate degree. Not really sure. Different colleges call it different things. So for the sake of brevity, I'll just call it the master's in psychology, right? So I want this degree. I, I see how it's going to make my 50s and 60s and 70s different, and it's going to benefit me financially, and it's going to create a stability in my life on top of all the things I, I, otherwise that I continue to do, right? I'm not just going to quit what I'm doing now and just focus on school. No, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing now, knowing that I can start to slowly implement those classes into my schedule. And it might take two or three years, but that's fine. That's fine because at least I'm on the path. And maybe I decide to get even more involved in a semester or two and I am taking 15 hours. Some of these graduate courses don't even let you take that many. They literally only let you take one or two because it's intense. But I'm looking at ways to shift up things so that I can be more stable in my career. When it comes to my relationships, I'm forward thinking, okay, what am I doing today that's going to create love and bond and companionship down the road? When it comes to my physical body, I'm on a five, I'm coming up on year two of a five-year plan. So I put on 30 pounds and I didn't build as much muscle. Okay, let's, let's regroup. Let's figure out what I did well. Let's figure out what I did undesirably. Let's shift it around and let's get this going in a different direction and let's see what those results are. No, I'm not thrilled that I'm 200 pounds and that I don't have the muscle structure that I thought I would have by putting on 30 pounds. Okay. So I learned some things about hypertrophy and I learned some things about reps and intensity and I've learned a lot of things. Okay. Let's go off and do it. Because as long as I'm experimenting, I'm shifting and I'm changing, then I'm growing. I'm moving forward. The ego has learned to serve up meals that feed the unconscious minds to desire to continue me on this path. Yes, the ego certainly, certainly, certainly doesn't want me to feel uncomfortable, doesn't want me to get hurt, doesn't want me to be, be humiliated. It's like part of its job. And that's fine. Is the ego good or bad? It's like asking if bacon's good or bad. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Is the ego good if it's always trying to keep me safe? Might that keep me from pushing myself outside my boundaries? I look at it. Let's go back to the kitchen recipe. Ego is like a spice in the recipe of life. 
a little bit can go a long way. It adds some flavor. It adds some zest to our your mental, our physical, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual meals, right? But too much can just ruin the whole thing. Right? It's it's ego is necessary for a healthy sense of self. It's the salt in the dish. It's 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 the paprika. It's all of the things. It brings out flavors. It enhances the overall taste. Without the ego, you could literally lose touch with your identity and struggle with your self esteem issues, your self worth issues. Now, on the other hand, the ego can be part diva chef, right? It's like the it's like the saffrons of the world. It's like the saffron. I've never even cooked with that, but I know it's strong, and I'm pretty sure it's used in in like um, Indian food, right? It's expensive. It's hard to come by. If you use too much, it just completely screws up the entire dish. It, it overpowers all the other flavors, right? If the ego becomes too dominant, it can lead to arrogance, selfishness, a sense of entitlement. Any of those sound familiar from our using days? So the ego is a little bit of both, good and bad, right and wrong, desirable and undesirable. Like any ingredient, it needs to have balance. In your soup of life, your ego needs to be there, but it needs to be in balance. Too little and you end up with bland and tasteless mental, emotional, physical meals. Right? Too much, it's overpowering, it's unpalatable, it's a mess. It's up to you to find the right balance for your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs being met by the ego, this, this entire meal that it's creating. You want to have it sparingly here and there, a little bit of sprinkle, a little bit of dash. You want it to enhance your life. You make you put too much of it in there, and you're an egotistical bastard. Nobody wants to hang around. When your ego is healthy, you have a strong sense of self-esteem, a strong sense of self-worth. It gives you confidence to take on new challenge, to pursue new goals. It allows you to handle setbacks with with a blom, right? Without losing your sense of identity, you no longer think that a setback is failure. You now see it as feedback, like I've been discussing for 204 episodes. Your ego helps you maintain healthy relationships. It sets your healthy boundaries. It expresses your needs and desires in a way that is assertive, not aggressive, and it advocates for yourself when necessary. The ego serves so many goods, but if it becomes unbalanced, it can, it can tear you down a negative path. If it becomes too inflated, now you're self-absorbed, you're arrogant, you're entitled. That will absolutely strain your relationships. People may perceive you as self-centered, dismissive of their needs. Always about your needs. So you've got to understand there's a yin and yang to this. Now, that's if it gets unbalanced in the inflated way. Deflated can be just as damaging. You might struggle with self-doubt, low self-esteem, feelings of worthlessness. Does sound familiar? Now you've got anxiety, depression, a lack of motivation to pursue your goals, your aspirations, because you look in the mirror and you say, I'm a piece of shit. Now we've cycled all the way back to the client I talked about at the beginning of the episode. Thinking that that voice, thinking that old version of yourself gets to get booted out of the bus isn't the right metaphor. It is just an ingredient. Don't let that ingredient deflate you. Don't let it tell you that you're not worthy of goals and aspirations and of achievement. Keep that version of you in check. You want the healthy balance. Recognize your strengths. Recognize the things that you're not so strong in. Be open-minded when it comes to constructive feedback. Maintain a sense of humility and empathy towards yourself and others. You're cultivating a healthy sense of self. You're enjoying fulfilling relationships. You're, you're increasing your mental aptitude to remember things and to implement them. You're building on your physical fitness and your health. At some point, I could have sworn I said I was going to get to the id, the ego, and the superego. 
and if you look at it from the perspective of those, that this id um, as that wild, untamed beast, that crazy chef in the kitchen, right, looking for that immediate satisfaction and pleasure, that monster in Boba Fett. It's that devil sitting on your shoulder, tempting you to indulge in all these sinful delights. That's your id. That's your id who might be in the back of the bus yelling at you to come back to addiction land. We were so happy there. The id wants it, wants it now. It's the two-year-old. Give me now, give me now, give me now, give me now. And this is the ego. And this is all Freud. Id, ego, superego. I'm sure you guys remember that from like, I don't know, middle school psychology class. Id, ego, superego. Then you have the ego. It's the mediator. It's this peacemaker. It's a Mr. Miyagi. It's like, oh, Daniel-san, rub hands together and get in touch with the universe. Right? It wants balance. It demands that from the id because there's a reality of the external world. The ego has to be the referee, making sure that the sides are playing fair. And that's the super ego. It's the buzzkill of the whole thing. It's strict. It's the parent or teacher. It's telling you what you should and shouldn't do. It's the voice of reason, morality, social norms. It's an annoying friend that says, come on, you've got responsibilities. You shouldn't be getting drunk tonight. They're the three musketeers. They're working together right, to create this amazing dish, and you hope that they did well. And obviously, we wouldn't be in addiction recovery if they were always making up the best dishes. When you're, just, when you're struggling with difficult decisions in your addiction recovery, remember, you've got the id, the ego, and the superego. They're on your side. And depending on the situation, they may or may not, the one who, with the loudest voice will be the one that demands of you what it's telling you to do. If the, if the, um, if the ego, right, the id is the ch- child throwing a temper tantrum, the ego is the one telling you, hold on, let's use some rational thought here, let's think this through. And the superego is being like, no, that's against the rules. There's some times where, you know, I'm a person who has a saying that I've never met a rule that I didn't enjoy bending just a little bit. Now, I do know that there are some that I should follow, right? Like, look both ways before crossing the street, right? But, you know, sometimes it's like, uh, I just want to tear off uh, down the sidewalk you know, and do what I want to do. I don't ever go across the street without looking both ways before crossing, not even in a parking lot. So that's a horrible metaphor. That one's not working at all. But there are times <laughs> where I don't want to follow the rules. And I say, you know what, let's just, let's just play a little bit here. But I want you to be mindful about all of these things are working out. You are growing. You are shifting. You are changing. What is the language that you're using in your mind that allows you to, to experience possibility over impossibility? Be aware of that. Tonight in the tribe, we're meeting for one of our uh, we're one of our video shows. We're we're getting back into those. We're getting back into our Zoom meetings. And so everybody who's in the vibe on the Voxer, those who've joined the hub and want to participate in Voxer, we're getting together and we're doing a video thing tonight. We're going to be talking about um, conflict versus architecture language patterns, right? The possibility versus impossibility language, right? I can't versus I can. I should have versus I I shall, or I I would have versus I will. Where can those be useful? Where are we going to be more mindful of the way that we're constructing sentences that 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 move us toward possibility, or try to have us running away from impossibility? This is extremely important. If you did not pull out a pen and a pad and get in the lab and take notes on this episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it and do that. We have covered a ton of things because in all of this. It is the shifting and changing of your own unconscious mind uh, that works in tandem with your conscious and subconscious minds. This, this, this conscious, you've got the conscious mind that's the room. You've got the subconscious mind that's the closet. You've got the unconscious mind that's the addict. 
right? In the in the kitchen metaphor, it could be that your um, that your conscious mind is the dining room. Your subconscious mind is is the uh, is the line where the food is getting put up, and your unconscious mind is the kitchen. Right, running with the kitchen metaphor, right? Dining room, expo line, kitchen. And all of these are working in tandem. And whenever you're finding yourself being held back by something in your head that's saying, I can't, I'm the voice that tells you that you can. That's what I do with my coaching. Answer that question. I want blank because, but I can't because of blank. Understand that the ego is the voice of the subconscious mind. It is making the food. It is doing the thing that it does. And when you want something and you say, but I can't, you add effect. You're not at cause. That is disempowerment to say the very least. We are all about the empowerment dynamic. Challenger, coach, creator. Disempowerment is victim, villain, hero. The reason I call my company Wise Mind Empowerment is we're taking the emotional mind and we're taking the rational mind and we're bringing them together. We know how to balance the two. And this all comes from experience. You're not just going to snap your fingers and change things overnight. If your ego and your unconscious mind have been making meals all geared towards fulfilling the habit of addiction for years and years and years, they're not just going to immediately be able to change the entire menu overnight. The menu can change overnight, but it doesn't... Okay, yeah, let me take that back. They can change the menu overnight, but it doesn't mean they're going to be making the meals deliciously right off the bat. It's like if you just went from making burgers all the time, you kept the same employees and said, now I want you to make Japanese barbecue. It's going to take some time for them to figure out the new menu, but it will happen. And quitting trying will not make it happen faster. All right, my friends, if you would like to be in the tribe, please go to jessemogul.com forward slash the hub where we will teach you even more amazing content. I am releasing another uh, two or three programs over the next couple months. The ones that are in there are fantastic. They come with manuals. But most importantly, what I've noticed that people enjoy the most is the Voxer chat. There's a community where people talk uh, about their sobriety and recovery journeys, their highs, their lows, their their successes, their challenges. And it's all done by people who are actively listening to the show. So they're using language patterns that we can all feel comfortable with. It's extremely supportive. If you're looking for support from people who listen to this show. It is extremely active. I'd love to have you there. Wish you weren't all, wish you were already in it because you would be meeting us tonight um, at this is a this is a Wednesday night at five o'clock central is what we decided for this one. And so yeah, it's a Wednesday night, five o'clock central. We're all meeting up and it's gonna be fantastic. I'd love to have you in there. Come join in all the reindeer games. As always inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the greatest day of our lives because we wake up sober. Start reprogramming yourself. Today is the day. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. See you next week. Do I sound excited? Because I am. Bye-bye.